Welcome to the Raise the Roof for Move the Walls podcast. Danny and Joe here with you. Hey guys. And uh, it's parable week here at the, Fla- at the at the I almost said the Faleo podcast. That's the other podcast I do. Sorry. Um but we're uh we're it's been it's been fun. Uh if all only y'all could see behind the scenes of this one. Um getting together and finding each other and and who knows what we're in for now. Um That's yeah, true. We're we're in Matthew 20 today. Uh, we're looking at the parable of the workers in the vineyard. So uh let me just read this. Uh kind of set the set the stage for us before we jump into this so you guys know where we're at. Uh it says for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon, did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Uh, Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those who came first, who were hired first came, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give to the one who hired last the same as I gave to you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Well, so, well you know, Another parable of the kingdom um, with uh, either, it was interesting because I looked at different translations. ESV says master of the house, where most other translations says the landowner, you know. But it's interesting, he goes out and he hires this group of workers at the beginning of the day, which is the normal way to do it. And the day started at six in the morning. I'm really glad I'm not a worker in the vineyard in those days. Uh, you know. um, but then he goes out again at nine in the morning, at noon, at three, and then at five, like an hour before quitting time to hire people. Now, if this guy was a successful farmer, vineyard owner, he would have known how many workers he really needed at the beginning of the day. But it seems that he's giving others a chance because I, I love that he goes to the marketplace and there were people sitting around doing nothing. I mean, you know, and he says, hey, you want a job? And they're going, hell yeah. So he hires these folks. So he really hires, what, six, nine, 12, three. He hires, hires five different times people to go work in his vineyard. Now, it's interesting that he agreed to the first workers to pay them a denarius, but the others that he hires through the day, he just says what's right. So he doesn't yeah. give them any specific wage that he's going to pay them. And then at the end of the day, which was tradition, that's the way they did it. They hired in the morning, they paid at the end of the day. Um, he starts with the ones hired last. 
and he gives them a denarius. So those guys early in the morning, particularly that first group that he hired at six had been out there working for 12 hours. They got to be thinking, wow, he gave them a denarius. He's probably going to give us a lot more. And when he doesn't, they whine and complain. I'm sorry. Reminds me sometimes of Christians. We whine and complain about all the things that are going on around us that are so wrong. They're so terrible, but it's like, well, we're entitled to something that God's not giving us. And that's what these guys. And so they complain to the master and he says, well, wait a minute, guys, didn't I agree to pay you a denarius? Well, yeah. So what's it to you if I'm generous to these other guys? Because he is fulfilling exactly what he promised those early workers. He's just being generous to the others. And then he ends this, this parable in verse 20, verse 16, by saying the first will be last and the last will be first, which is interesting because in the chapter just before it, chapter 19, the last verse in chapter 19 says, verse 20 says, but many who are first will be last and the last first. Now, I don't know whether Matthew is writing this in chronological order. Uh, probably not. But, <laughs> you know, you have the, the in, in Matthew 19, you have the story of the rich young ruler. He ends with this idea of the last being first, the first being last. And then in this parable, he's reinforcing that. So to me, that's the real principle that's in this, this uh, parable. And the master or the landowner is, of course, Jesus. The workers or laborers are us who work in his vineyard. And to me, the vineyard is the world. It, it's not the church, but it's the world. And he sent us out into the world to work. And he is going to use us in different ways. And he is going to bless us with different gifts, different abilities, different positions in, in the kingdom to work. But all are, are important. We're all equal. Uh, I think that's important in the church because sometimes in the church, we elevate the pastoral people in the church, not to a higher level of respect, but to a higher level of responsibility and say, well, you got to go out and do it. You know, it's, I'm just here to come to church and listen and give my little money and be a nice person and not beat my wife and not steal and not kill and all that good stuff. But you've got to go out and do the work of the kingdom. But he's saying, all of these guys, no matter when they came to Christ, no matter what their position or responsibility within the kingdom is, you all have been sent out into the world to do the work that God has established for you. Yeah, and I think you, you make a good point with, with looking at chapter 19 to see the context that Matthew wants to put this in, whether or not that this is the order really, you know, but right. like this, these are the things Matthew wants to connect for us. And it's it's the rich young ruler, like this young man comes yeah. to Jesus and has great wealth and Jesus says you have to give that away. In other words, what, what Jesus tells that guy is, you cannot trust in your wealth and your ability. You need to trust in me. Right. And then we see this story about the workers in the vineyard, which backs that up because it's not about the workers. It's not about how long you worked or how hard you worked or what you did. It's about the generosity and, um, dare we say it on this podcast, the grace of the landowner um, <laughs> who, who wants to bestow and be generous to these guys. Like, and, and, and you're absolutely right. Like, I see the whininess here. We see this in the church, that we are, it, it's similar to the older brother from the story of the prodigal yeah. son. Too. Yeah. Somehow we think we earned what God has graciously given to us. 
And so there's, there's, there's grace and, and, and we've earned this, but when we look at other people, we want God to grade them a little more harshly than he has graded us for sure. Yes. Um, um, Or sometimes, and sometimes we look at it and go, well, I would get a better grade if we were grading. Well, that's nice. You get a 4% and they get a 3%. You both still failed. Um, Like, (laughs) but we have this idea that somehow we've earned something. We have this entitlement sometimes, you know I mean? I know generationally speaking, people look at younger generations as, as having some entitlement issues and honestly they do if there's some natural progression there like when you have a more affluent culture it's going to be that way like the the greatest people that grew up in the great depression did not have the same entitlement issues as my kid that grew up in the 2010s like they just can't you know um but in the church we've always had entitlement issues we've always had uh Read the Old Testament. That is that is what Israel is all about, is entitlement issues. And guess what, Matthew? Written to the Jews, okay? So this this one especially should hit home for them, that, hey, you guys think you've been in from the beginning just because you were biological children of Abraham and you've been around a long time, and now these, these, these new people are coming in and getting to know Jesus and starting to get in on the work, and you think, oh, well, they don't, they don't deserve to be here as much as I do. Do you know what I've done? Um, I love when people use the phrase, uh, we were there every time the church doors were open. Um, I go, that's nice. I was opening the door for you. Okay. <laughs> I was the preacher's kid. I was always there. Okay. I. It is hard to think of a job, any kind of responsibility you can have in, in a church that I have not done at some point. Okay. Um, you you want to run sound. You want to set up tables and chairs. You want to do childcare. I've worked the nursery. Okay. Like I have done it all. I'm the only child of a small town pastor. Okay. <laughs> right. You see like pastors and their families doing all this stuff. Guess what? There was just the three of us. Um, that's how it was, you know, uh, I, we were somewhere the other day and, oh, it was, it was my son's band concert is over and they, they were having to stack chairs to get them out of the gym and take them back to the band room. And so I just start stacking chairs and some friend of ours was standing there and go like, what are you doing? I was like, it just comes natural. Like there's chairs to be stacked. I just, the church kid in me just starts stacking chairs. It's like an autopilot function. I don't know. This is what we do. Um, and you know, it's, it's easy for us to get entitled when we've been around and we've done all this stuff and look at people who, who are new, who might not, know as much about scripture, know as much about church and, and do all this stuff and think, oh, well, I'm more deserving of this. Than-. No. Um, something we used to tell students all the time, like you suck and Jesus loves you. Like don't the, the first part matters here. Like yeah. all of this, this is grace and everything that we see. A denarius was a, a, a nice day's wage. This is he is already being generous to the guys that work 12 hours. Right. Like this is a not. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really fun to try and deal with with uh different currencies and measurements of stuff um especially when you start translating to th- i mean it's bad enough anyway because we live in the united states of america and we're snotty and have all our own stuff um like we don't use the metric system we have all these weird we're, we're the ones that still use all this stupid stuff that makes no sense to anybody else um there, there was sure. lots of online stuff with people in other countries. This 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 last weekend was was NFL wild card and some really cold football games. And uh, uh, another podcast I listened to, they were commenting on, "Hey, yeah, yeah, thanks America for making us all look up Fahrenheit this weekend to figure out just how cold you were." Um, <laughs> nobody else uses these things, right? And that's right. 
we, we do that in the church too. Like we have all these things, oh, this is, this is ours. And, and it's meant to push people out. And yeah. we, we just have this great sense of entitlement that I think Jesus wants to speak into here. And, and I mean, I agree to a somewhat that younger generations probably have a little more attitude of entitlement, but I always point this out to people when they gripe about all oh, this younger generation, whatever. Who raised the generation? We did. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, so if 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 your generation has entitlement issues, then I, as the generation that raised you, was partially responsible for that. So oh, yeah. I I I find I find more irritation on my part today when I people just like these workers. They have been given so much. I mean, when you look at how much we as Christians in America enjoy a freedom, a privilege that I don't know of any other country that has this kind of privilege. And, you know, associating here over the last year or so with people who live in cultures which say, if you're a Christian, we can kill you and nobody's going to really care. I get a little bit upset when I hear people talk, oh, yes. We're persecuted as American Christians. No, we're not. No, we're irritated. I agree. Is our culture godly? No. But the world is acting like the world acts. It's us who as believers need to change. So instead of being like these workers and whining, we need to be more thankful for what God has given us because it is. It is all based on grace. You know, yesterday we're having a discussion of Bible study about grace, and I said everything is grace. What we deserve is death and hell. So anything that is not death and hell is grace, guys, because we don't deserve it. And I think about also here the sovereignty of this landowner. This this was his land. They were doing the work that he had given them to do, and he was paying them. Okay. And and it it, it took me to, to Romans chapter nine and verses 15 and 16, where where Paul makes this statement. He says, for he says to Moses, I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion, so that it depends not on human will or uh, exertion, but on God who has mercy. I mean, he could have he could have said to all of these guys, you know, like you said, Denarius was a very good daily wage in that day. He could have said, okay, I'll pay you a fourth or a half of Denarius. You know, he could have have given these guys who came at the last hour very little, if anything. But he gives everybody the same because we are all equal in God's sight. We have different responsibilities, different positions in the, the body of Christ, in the kingdom. But we're all called basically to do that same work. I think of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where Paul is saying, um, uh, Apollos did this, and I did this, and I, but it's God who gives the increase. Who cares who plants? You know, we have a friend who lives close to you who planted a church. Well, does that make him any different than you guys who already went to an established church? Does God say, oh, well, because you're a church planter, I'm going to give you more than I give these guys? No. You know, um, I met missionaries this summer who are working in, in places where it's it's hard. It's much harder, just culturally wise, much harder. Does God go, oh, well, you guys are going to get more than those guys? No, because we're all equal. Now, does that mean we all have the same talents or same spiritual gifts or the same 
size of ministry. No, but I think God gives us what we can do. You know, these guys who went out at noon or went out at three or the guys who went out at five, maybe they couldn't go out and work a whole day. Maybe they can only work a few hours. Whereas the guys at the first, man, they were the young, strong ones. They could go out, work 12 hours and be in good shape. And that strikes me because on Tuesdays, we do, we're involved in, in the food distribution ministry in our church. And we have a couple of guys who come in, then they work for two and a half hours. We, we work for five. It's open for five hours. They work for two and a half. One of them's 94 years old. I'm just amazed he can do two and a half hours. If I can do two and a half hours at 94, when I'm 94 years old, standing up, talking to people, dealing with people, I'm going to be thinking, oh, this is great. So do I look at him and go, well, I'm better than you because I work more hours? No, no, absolutely not. And I think that a lot of times within the American church, I, I don't hear it in other churches in other countries, but in the American church, I hear a lot about, well, my church is running so-and-so and so-and-so. I remember I quit going to a pastor's prayer time because we didn't pray. We just bragged about how many people came to our church on Sunday. And I thought, man, I don't need this. And so, you know, I think a lot of, I think this parable is really directed toward those folks who are involved in actual ministry within the church, because he's saying, I don't care what your position is. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. I don't care how, how much you work. I'll use you in the way I'm going to use you, and I'll show mercy to you, and I'll show mercy to whoever I want to show mercy to. And that's what this guy's doing. Yeah, and, and I think one of the really cool things that I, I don't know if I ever thought about this before, he he doesn't ask for any sort of um, qualifications for these workers. The, the only no. thing he comes and does is says, hey, you want to come work in my vineyard? He doesn't ask them what they're good at, what they're capable Like, just come work. Yeah. Just come. Just be willing, yeah. you know? Um, and that's that's true for us too. Like I, I've lost track of how many times I have talked to someone about teaching or taking on some sort of role. I, I was going to say leadership role, but something. I mean, just just doing something in the church sometimes. And you throw it out there. Well, I don't know if I could do that. Like it, and it's just crazy to me. Like we for several years, like we have people that they come count money, right? That, Every, every Sunday, all the, you know, tithes and stuff come in, they count that, they put it on the deposit sheet. Monday morning, somebody takes it, drops it off. Like, all they have to do is come count. We just have counters. And we, we kept losing counter. I mean, you know, moved away. We had some that got too old. You know, it was kind of an older group to start with, and some of them kind of aged out of being able to do that. And Okay, that, you know, no problem. For like two years, I was trying to recruit people. Hey, you want to do this? Hey, you want to do this? When I asked, it was just this intimidating thing, apparently. I don't know. We just had a lady. She just went and told people, hey, you should do this. <laughs> she goes and tells them, and they're all willing. Now we have this whole new crop. And I'm like, I've been asking for two years. How come all you people just ignored me on your saying this? But like, <laughs> I, we get this all the time where we, we tell people, you know, hey, I, would you consider doing this? Would you consider stepping into this and be willing to, to help with this or try this out? And, oh, I don't know if I could do that. You know, I... The worst is people that work with youth. Okay, getting people yes. to work with teenagers yes. is like the scariest thing in the world, apparently. Um, I sort of get it because because teenagers are a different breed. I just happen to understand them and kind of secretly like them. Don't tell the one that lives in my house that I like teenagers. <laughs> um, she needs to, to stay where she's at. Um, but, I, you know, the thing I used to tell them all the time, there are two qualifications to work with teenagers. Uh, do you love Jesus? 
Yeah. Okay. We got the big one out of the way. Um, do, do you care about these teams? You know, I don't, you don't need to understand them all the time. You don't need to, you certainly don't need to agree with them all the time. In fact, disagreeing with them might be a good thing a whole lot of times. Um, you know, do, do you love Jesus? Are you going to love them? Yeah. Okay. You're qualified. Everything else we'll take care of. Like everything else will get worked out. You know, uh, it used to be funny. My kids would joke with me sometimes like, you, they would say it as if it was some sort of insult. And then they learned that I just took it as bad. You're not very nice to us sometimes. Like, no, I'm not. I'm not here to be nice to you. Um, I'm not here to, you know, I'm here to tell you the truth sometimes because that's what I get to do. I'm not your parent, so I don't have to live with you all the time, which means if I make you mad, oh, well, okay, we can deal with that. I can tell you the truth and you can just take it from me because you don't have to, I don't have to wake you up every morning, get you out of bed and send you off to school. I'm not, that's not my role. Um, although the kid that I have to do that for also says, yeah, you're not nice. What are you talking about? Um, she says the same thing to me, but we get so worked up about what we have it. to be. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we get so worked up with, with this thing we build up in our own mind about what qualifies us and the things we have to be able to do. And, and, oh, well, I need to be like, this. no, you need to be yeah. you. Yeah. You need to be exactly who you are and who you were made to be because yeah. God made you this way. And gave you a place in the body. Like as Paul says, we're not all supposed to be the same. We're different parts of one body. And and the thing that we have to be, the, the only qualification we have is we have to be willing. Yeah, We have to be willing yeah. to be who God made us and do our part in the kingdom of God. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's interesting that you mentioned that. Because one of the passages, as I studied this parable that God brought to me, was out of 1 Corinthians 12, where he talks about, uh, for just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. And then he goes on in the next few verses, and he talks about if you're an ear, you don't can't say to the rest of the body, I don't need you, or if you're a nose. Um, I think that because we are fallen humans, and even in the church, as believers, as followers of Jesus, we are simply recovering sinners. <laughs> because we still sin occasionally, um, I think we we have this human tendency to put levels of importance even within the church. Um, I remember one time getting in a conversation with a guy who said, oh, you know, if the football team revolves around the quarterback, if you've got a great quarterback, you're okay. And I said, well, wait a minute. What if you've got a great quarterback? And the offensive line goes, we don't like him. We're not blocking. That dude's dead. <laughs> he is not going to be able to throw a pass. He is dead. Same thing with the running back. Offensive line says, oh, we don't like that running back. We're not going to bang holes for it. He's going to get killed. The receivers, if the receiver says, I don't really like quarterback. I'm not catching any of his passes. I mean, to me, a football team may be more than anything else. you got to have that whole team working together. And if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, you understand what I'm talking about today, okay? <laughs> because you've got to have every part of that offensive team and the defensive team, the special teams, all of that, working together or you're not going to be successful. Now, you know, on a baseball team, if you've got a great pitcher, you might get by with winning some games without having a great offense. I know one of my teams this year magnified that. On a basketball team, if you've got a Michael Jordan, you're going to win. I don't know how, but will those teams to win? There's only five of you. So, you know, if one out of five, when you've got like literally 20 or 
but 30 players that have to play together and do the right thing to win the game. You got to work together. And, and to me, that's the church. You know, he talks about these gifts over in, in Romans 12. He talks about these different gifts. They're all, they all come out of the grace of God into our lives. We, we, you know, I don't get to go, okay, God, here's the gift I want. And here are the gifts I want from you. No, you know, I, one of my gifts I don't like. I really don't, and I wish I didn't have it, and the church sometimes doesn't appreciate it. That's the gift of discernment. I've been in more situations in my life where I went, nope, that's not God, and everybody goes, oh, yes, it is, yes, it is, and it fell apart because it wasn't God. I don't like that gift because most of the time the church ignores it. Or they go, we don't want to hear from you. Okay. Um, but we we elevate certain gifts in the church. If you're a teacher— if you can teach in the church, oh, you are magnified above all else. But if you've got the gift of helps, you're the guy stacking the chairs or sitting them up. Nobody pays attention to you, but they're all needed. I don't know what these guys did in Vineyard, but I got a feeling they all didn't do the same work. I got a feeling there were different things that they did. And you're right. God didn't go, hey, are you qualified? He said, come work for me and I'll qualify you as you work. And I think a lot of times, we, you know, I remember the first church I got hired at. I had no experience, no training, no education. And I remember asking them after I'd been there a few months, why did you hire me? They said, because you were stupid and you knew it. We figured we could help you grow. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, um, we just hired a new youth pastor a few weeks ago. Um, I really like him. Um, but we looked at a guy uh, several months ago and I'm like, no, no, you don't want this guy. When this guy showed up, they said, would you look at this and see what you, this is the guy, he has a servant's heart. Was he qualified? I don't know. I looked at his background better than mine when I took my first church, <laughs> but he loves kids. He just wants to serve God and he knows where God has called him and what he's called him to do. So he fits here. The other guy was like, well, yeah, but I really want to be this down the road, this down the road. This guy just wants to minister to kids. That's the kind of person you want. These guys just wanted to work. Why? They needed money. Now, we don't work in God's kingdom to have money, but we work because that's what God has called us to do. It's, 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 it's that spiritual wiring that we have. These guys had a wiring that said, I need to feed my family and so forth. So, And then when God is gracious and he has mercy on those he has mercy on, you get upset. No, no. We need to celebrate when God does something good in somebody's life. I see it in churches. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, that church got more people coming to it. Well, I don't want them to have more people. No, we're not in competition with each other. We're not in competition with other churches. We're in a battle war against the enemy, and we need to focus on God using us the way he wants to use us and not worry about. You know, I can remember, and you remember this, when when um, I think you remember this, I was fixing to be called to a very, very large church in Denver to be their youth pastor. And I happened to go to a Henry Backaby lunch. Oh, if I hadn't gone there, <laughs> I probably got to go to Denver. And in during this lunch, as Henry's speaking, the spirit comes, we're on our faces praying and everything. And God says, you can't go. And I'm like, excuse me? He says, you can't go. I, there's things I have you to do here yet. And I'm like, no, I want to go. I want, I've always wanted to be in Denver. This is a huge church, you know, and all this. And God said no. And I had to say no. Now, it's changed everything about our lives. Uh, from that point on, it changed everything. I look back and I think, now I understand 
in full detail why God said, you can't leave. Uh, but at that point, I was like, I don't understand God. And he's going, it's not time. It's not time. And when it was time, we did it <laughs> in a weird way, but we did it. Um, that's the way we are. Uh, but I think a lot of times we get so caught up in, okay, I've got to go, to, you know, as a pastor, well, I'm, I'm pastoring this size church. I got to go to a bigger church. I've got to go to make more money. I got to go. No, it's, I mean, God, God did not, as you said, God kept calling me to smaller and smaller places as I went through my ministry, you know, <laughs> but yet God used it. And, and, and so we, we've got to, we've got to be like those workers. I just want to serve where God, you tell me. And you'll equip me to do it. Yeah, you know, and that the, the football team analogy works so well there too. Like, not not only do we all have to have the same goal and be working together, we all have to do our different things. Yes. Like other sports, you know, if you're a baseball player, you were supposed to catch the ball, throw the ball, hit the ball, right? And there's some slight variations with the specific skills. You know, first baseman and center fielders are a little; they're built different, but they're still doing the basic same thing. You know, basketball players. You're supposed to shoot the ball, dribble the ball, rebound the ball. Again, we, well, we used Pass to think that people have different skills. Uh, not anymore. <laughs> now we have seven foot four dudes that run around like the little guys, and I don't know what to do with basketball anymore because <laughs> it's just crazy. But football has very specific skills that are very, very different from each other. Okay, you don't you don't want linemen throwing the ball or running the ball. Um, you, you don't want defensive people catching the ball most. That's how most of them got on defense, by the way. When you see a guy that can't catch the ball, he's playing safety or corner because he could have been a receiver, but he can't catch. So they stuck him over there. Just hit people and run around with them, you know? Like, kickers are the weirdest anomaly in football, especially. Like, you don't talk about a strange person. In a, in a, in a room full of football players, you can spot the kicker nine times, 99 times out of 100. I was going to say nine times out of 10. If you just set them, not in jerseys, just street clothes, set these guys down, 53 guys on a football team, I think the vast majority of the time I could point out to you who the kickers are, the punter and the kicker on any team, just by looking at these dudes, okay? Um, Pat McAfee was like the exception because he's like this huge guy now um, doing his radio show and his tank top. And like, you were a kicker? You look like you're like a left guard. Like, he's just massive now. But, like, they have very specific roles to fill because you have to have all these different things. You have to have all these different parts. And the church is this way, okay? Like, you do not want the two of us being the on on lead mic during worship song, you don't want us no. to be the voice that everyone's supposed to hear and supposed to follow. Okay, no, no, you don't. It's not it's not no. a thing. There, there are lots. I, I joked earlier about it. I've done every job you can think of, and I have done lots of those things. You don't want me to be in charge of all those things. You don't want me to be the primary person. Okay, like yes, I did some child care in some emergency situations where like, oh, we're having this meeting, we have this thing. Can you watch some kids because the nursery worker can't be here this week? Sure. Because that's what that's what PKs do. We get to fill in some gaps occasionally. That's how it works. <laughs> My kids get to fill in gaps all the time, which is how pastors' kids end up running sound for their dads, which is a scary situation when your child has control of the mute button on your mic, okay? It's a little precarious. Um, yes. Luckily, neither of us, we've never been at big enough churches where it was really that scary, you know? Right. I couldn't actually do something about it in the middle of the thing. I could, I could throw stuff at my son when he's up in the booth now. Um, and everyone would actually kind of get a kick out of me throwing something in the sound booth from the stage. So it'd be fine. Um, it'd be a memorable moment. But, you know, we all have these different roles to play and these different things to do because I don't need, number one, I don't need to do everything. 
Right. As the Number two, I can't. Right. Like I'm not, not only not doing all of it, but there are some of those things I literally cannot do. You know, if, if our guitar player and our pianist, and our, if we have instrumentalists for the team. Like I, I make jokes about us not being a lead singer, but like I can't actually sing. I can follow words. I could do that. It might not be pretty, but we would survive. But if you're relying on me to step over and play the piano, happen because i cannot do those things and i'm not supposed to do those things so that's why god gave us a whole body with all these different parts so that everybody right. could find their place in the body and be serving right. be doing stuff because you know what happens to a body part if it stops being used it withers away and dies yeah it goes away we have to use those things you know those the, the parts of the body have to have to get their work in they have to be used they have to do stuff or they cease to exist they shrivel up you know, muscles atrophy if you don't use them. Um, they they go away and they shrink down. So we're we're supposed to be used. We're supposed to be involved. We're supposed to be working in that vineyard in whatever role that we've been given. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And you know, I I was thinking today when you were talking actually. If you put together all the stuff that you and I have done in church, we've we've really probably done every job <laughs> that there is, you know, because I led worship, which is amazing um, with my voice uh, for years. Only they didn't give me a mic <laughs> and I had a strong enough group behind me that they carried it through. Um, but, yeah, and, and to me, you know, when he says the first shall be last, the last shall be first. Um I was talking to your mother yesterday about Bible study, about her Bible study that she was, or she was talking to me about it, really. Um, and she pointed out, you know, we have this concept and we've talked about, it, we've joked about it for years in the church. Oh, well, when we get to heaven, we're going to have rewards. And, you know, I remember a story about it, it, the rewards were the, the vehicle, the, the means of travel you got in heaven. And this lady was very upset because she got a bicycle instead of a big car. But yet she was okay when she saw her pastor pass by on a skateboard. And we talk about, <laughs> we're going to have a mansion in heaven. No, we're not. And I love this. We're going to have a house in heaven, big house. And everybody's going to have a room. But it's going to be a room. And we've got to be there with the other folks. Because that's the whole point of God saving us. He didn't save Joe as an individual. He saved Joe to be part of this group of people who he uses to change the world, to be workers in the vineyard. You know, the, the 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 disciples are told by Jesus, pray for workers to come into the harvest because it's plentiful, but the workers are few. And we're going to have our individual kind of work that we do. I got I, I, somebody yesterday said, how is it that you don't, you know, how would you feel without preaching for this whole year? And I said, well, I still really do it. I just do it in a different way. And then they joked and they said, oh, but, but you, uh, you don't get paid for it. I said, oh, yes, I do. Because the government now pays me for doing what I really want to do, you know, which is kind of cool. Um, but, you know, there there are certain things that we've learned over the summer that we did that we probably aren't going to do again because we're not fitted for that. That's not God's calling in our lives. And to do it, everybody was like, wow, you're going overseas. You're going to work with these people and all this and I got home and I'm like, I don't think this is what God is going to call me to do for the rest of my life. I think he's going to call me more to do these things 
and I talked about those. So, yeah, I think that division of labor, but realizing that we're all needed to do our part is really what he's saying here. And we respond to the call of the master because there are going to be times when he's going to say, nope, that's not the work I have for you. Or no, that's not the timing I have for you. And we need to to realize that. Yeah. And, and that can be, we, we don't always like that, you know, but that's, that's how it works. We need to remember he's the one yeah. in control. I, I love the story of Paul trying to go to Asia, trying to go to Asia and God yes. saying, no, spirit just blocks up. I don't want to know what that looked like, by the way. Like, yes. Where yeah. we're really trying to walk down a road and there's like a big image of Jesus, like a force ghost. Well, I don't know. You know, I put, I don't know you put the works. angel in front of the oh. donkey in numbers. So maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Surely there was no talking donkey again. I, that would be awesome if uh, we need another one of those. Um, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to go there. I could say something. I won't. Well, you know, <laughs> I've heard that joke too. Um, so that's the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Yep. So um, take so, that. Go to my last word is vineyard, if you're if you're a worker, get in the vineyard. Do what the master says. That's right. We could have summed this whole thing up in two minutes, but we decided yeah, we to could. have all this fun. Yes. So. <laughs> all right. See you guys next week. Bye.